teacher quit talk. I'm Fraz. I'm Miss Redacted, and there's a man with us here today, but he's a nice man, so everyone play nice. We'll allow him to introduce himself. I'm Myron Curtis. I'm a high school teacher and former football coach. Wow. I'm excited to learn about sports. Neither of us know literally anything. The only perspective I have is like being a witness to it. I was not in sports as a child. I've never coached a sport. They tried to force me to coach golf this year. I said immediately no. Did they just see that you were in the social studies department and they were like, you can do this. It was actually like a really slay opportunity because a golf course offered to coach the kids, but legally we have to have a teacher on record as the coach. So I just had to go with them to the golf course and be there to make sure nothing suspect was happening. But I said, no, someone else can do that. It seems pretty chill too, right? It's a pretty chill sport to coach. Yeah. And it's the first year they've had golf. So low expectations, but I, I, they wanted to give it to me because you get paid extra money and they really want me to not quit. So, but I told them to give it to somebody else. I was going to say I didn't play sports either, but I played lacrosse for three years. <laughs> so I did, I did play sports. Yeah, that's that's pretty intense though, lacrosse. I was going to say, I don't see you as a lacrosser. I was. That's not really adding up in my mind. But anyways... Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to learn about all the things that you do. This is a rare episode that two-thirds of the podcast is currently teaching. Oh, yeah. Curtis is a rock star A-push teacher who was very helpful to me when I had this lovely challenge thrust upon me this year. Oh, teaching A-push? Yeah, AP US History. I think it's like the oldest AP course that they have. I took that. I didn't take the test. How dare you? I get so mad when they don't take the test because you have literally nothing to lose. Like you literally have nothing to lose. Colleges don't look at it. It's like $10. I get more angry when the kids like, like kind of mock you when they tell you like to your face, like I am not taking that test. I'm like, can you like at least Why'd like- Why'd you join the class? Like, you know you're getting nothing out of this, right? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I slept through the AP bio test. My mom made me take the AP bio test, so I took a nap. And then I went on to major in biology and had to take it. But I did take AP comp, and I got to skip the freshman class, which was pretty lit because it was an 8 a.m. Anyways, so... Curtis, I'd love to hear a little bit about you. What made you become a teacher? Was it a last resort? Was it your dream? Like, how did we get here? What are we doing? Share with us your journey. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, initially it wasn't a dream. Like, I, if you would have told me when I was, like, 17 or 18 that I'd be teaching high school, I'd probably want to fight you or something. If you went back in time and to me in 11th grade, that would have been my 13th reason. I would have been like, I'm sorry, you do what for a living? immediately now yeah i had so many other cool plans i had like fighter pilot i had fbi agent like so many other cool plans but no um so i've always been pretty deep into sports like playing through college and stuff like that like that was always like a really cool like experience for me not just playing but like that bond that you form with the guys in the team i think that's kind of like one of the most underrated parts of being on a team it's just that bond that you're because you all want to be there it's different from like the classroom like the kids that come into uh, ap us history i mean they're there because they, they want to get a bump like it's, they don't like there's no camaraderie there or anything like that but um this is gonna sound corny but like seeing what the sport did for me like with my confidence and just being able to build relationships with other people i saw an opportunity to continue doing that for other kids and i, I was like you know what like maybe maybe i should get into it and i i started doing stuff with like youth at a very young age all my downtime i would like coach youth sports my junior year and senior year like whenever I wasn't playing something I would just go coach because it was fun and then I just kind of got into that and then I'd start realizing like hey I can I can kind of do this as a career like this would be the best thing ever and you played and coached football right yeah so I I jumped around from sport to sport 
because like immature me at 16, 17 years old, I, like a lot of these kids, like I felt like I need to specialize in one thing and then I was going to make it pro. So like I had that dream or whatever. So I actually missed my senior year playing football because I wanted to focus on basketball because I thought that was the that was the route that I was going to go. But I was sorely mistaken in college when I realized those guys are extremely good. It's so funny that you say that because I was just watching uh, Hard Knocks and I had yeah. not seen a football game in like a while because I had been out of the classroom. So then I watched Hard Knocks and then I went to my students' football game and I was like, why do they keep dropping it? I was like, that's not what happens. Like, I thought, I think you're supposed to catch it, dude. Are you doing this on purpose? The unprofessionalism <laughs> is outstanding. Is this a joke? <laughs> I was like, you're not even taking it seriously. He literally threw it right to you. Oh my gosh. No, but you know what though? Like on that, like that's as a coach, that was one of my biggest pet peeves because I used to coach wide receivers. I would have players drop a pass in practice or in a game and like they'd do the whole like get really pissed off and like throw something or or like yank their helmet off. I'm like, why are you so mad? Like, did you practice like doing that a million times? If you did and you still dropped it, then I can understand you being upset because you you obviously invested a lot of time into perfecting that that one skill. But if you like, I, I see these guys like joking around during practice or, or or not taking reps seriously, and it's like, how can you expect to like do something perfect every time when you don't take the time to prepare? Anyway, that's that was like my players always tell you like I, that was one thing that used to set me off it's like when people throw a tantrum because they drop the pass i'm like yeah how can you expect perfection when you don't practice for it it's so funny how like children are really the same and like all things and endeavors that they do because that's the exact same reaction i have when they like don't study at all and then they fail the test and they cry i'm like that's literally crazy i don't feel bad like seriously like you think this is vegas like you're just like rolling a dice like hey we'll see what happens They're like it's like, common sense it's common sense <laughs> yeah, i know yeah, i'll yeah. figure it out so you were you started coaching like youth things, YMCA on your child vibe, teaching the youth how to throw that football and catch it. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, wide receiver, they're supposed to catch it and then they run with it. So if they drop it, that's not good. So you were in college, you played football in college? Yes. Yeah, I played at uh, Western New Mexico. It's a division two school. Very nice. And did you go straight into teaching post-college? I took some time to like, I think everybody does when you play at, a, at the college level, you try to uh, see how far you can actually go. And you, I actually went overseas and played in France. So that was fun. They play football in France? We must have crushed them. We're, you probably <laughs> were beating the shit out of those French guys. There's like a huge thing like over there. Like it's not just football. Like there's like obviously there's international basketball and stuff like that. But there's like professional football leagues all throughout Europe. Cultural appropriation at its finest. Yeah, like, right. That's our thing. Just trying to be like us. Y'all right? have healthcare and we have football. So stay in your fucking lane. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly um so yeah so they had they have like this uh, a bunch of different leagues out there i like to compare them to like the the renaissance era like those patrons that had like millions and millions of dollars they would just pay somebody just to paint them a painting it's like those type of people that own these teams they'll start giving tons of money to like american athletes to come over and, and play but yeah but i i obviously didn't play on that on that level i was basically like playing for a, a few bucks and a sandwich so have you ever seen new girl i've seen a couple episodes i I haven't seen like the there's like season. a storyline where one of the guys is playing basketball in Lithuania and it seems like very much the same vibe like it was more like in exchange for food and shelter rather than like a career breaking moment yeah no absolutely and like I don't know it was cool because I basically just got to be in Europe and live there for free uh, and by that time my, my degree was in secondary education with the emphasis in history so I I actually enjoyed going and seeing all these places that we that we had been studying that was my first time out of the country so once you were turned back to this godforsaken nation that's when you entered the classroom 
and your degree is in what you do. So the good for you, man. Can't relate, but I'm sure that was helpful. You beat the statistics. No, it was it was cool getting back. And then I I got the teaching job through football because that's what we value here, right? right. That was the first question um. they asked me. They said, let me see your playbook. You want to teach U.S. history? You got to coach golf. So the head coach at that time, I had been like kind of working out with their guys and stuff over the summer. And he, I was like, yeah, I really need a teaching job. though. like, is there any way you can get me in the building? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he really pushed really hard to, to try to get me in with the principal. And my first year, I was actually, um, I worked in exceptional ed. They call it exceptional ed now, special education. So that was my first year. And I was just like on like a, not a temporary license. But the provisional a, uh, one? Provisional. Yeah, I was on a provisional for that first year. Did you like teaching? Like your first year, were you like, oh, this is the worst mistake I've ever made? Or did you like immediately, were you into it? I actually loved it. Aww. I do. I love being a teacher. I, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. That's why I'll say that. Being in an office or whatever and just like dealing with other like adults, I guess. Well, answering an adult's email, it's like, fuck off. Like figure it out. Like you're an adult. Like, why are you asking me a question? Google it. With the kids, it's like, okay, well, there's an excuse for you to be like- You're a child. You don't know anything. Yeah. I don't know if I'd have that patience working in like a, a, for a corporation or something. I don't recommend it because <laughs> no, the adults are worse because yeah. an adult will email you and be like, hey, so I haven't closed a tab or turned my computer off in six years. Why is it slow? In a lot of ways, they're exactly the same. Yeah. So it's easier to be patient with a child. Absolutely. So did you, so your first year teaching, you're coaching, you're teaching. How was that balancing like- like, what are the things you have to do as a coach? Like, beyond, like, showing up to practice and being, like, throw the ball, like, what does coaching entail at a high school level? So it depends on where you are. Like, at where I am is extremely competitive. Uh, we have, like, 10 guys that are either currently playing in the NFL or have played in the NFL before. Like, it's extremely uh, competitive in this area. With that being said, you literally give your life away. Like we would have coaches like sleeping at the school and stuff like that on, on Friday night. Wait, wait, wait. Roll back. Sleeping at the school. <laughs> Yes, yes. My students think I do that. Do they sleep in their office? Do yeah. they sleep on the field in sleeping bags? Do they sleep in a classroom? So like a slumber party? Okay, so on a normal regular season week or whatever, usually Friday nights are our football game, right? So you, you play the game Friday night. After Friday night, that's when like everything starts. So like you would think it's like, oh, okay, you're done for the week. Like you get this break, but no, it's intense. So immediately after the game's over, you need to exchange film with the other team that you're about to play. And uh, when you get film from another team, you can like break down the clips, like each clip for each play, and you can put data for everything on there. You could say where the ball uh, started, like what down and distance it was. Did data-driven instruction come from you all? Is this your fault? Yes. <laughs> yes. It all came from so us. So when the game ends, that's when your hell begins. Yes. I just assumed when the game ends and like we all go bye-byes, y'all also go home. Nope. Wow. And like I said, it depends on who you're playing. So like we used to play a like top high school team. One of the um, players that we used to play against actually currently plays for the uh, Washington Commanders. And we used to have to like game plan against it like that. When he was in high school, that was the worst four years of my life. Because I would never be. Duncan is your arch nemesis. The thing that's messed up, he's is Jonathan Allen. He's an awesome kid, like awesome human being. But like I used to hate when we would play them because it, it meant that right on Friday we would sit up there and we would break down film. So we'd stay there inputting all this data and extra data to make sure we knew exactly where he was on the field because he was like he's basically the same size he was or he is now when he was in high school. Like he was a grown man. Oh. It was actually like I used to see him running on like special teams and like about to like peel back and block somebody and it would be like this 
this like little like kid that just wanted to be in the game. Like you could tell he had no business being on the field. I'm like, yo, get him off the field. He's <laughs> going to die. That's the hard part about high school football because I used to take the photos so I would be on the sideline. Is they're all at different stages of puberty. So you have a kid that's like 6'5", 300 pounds playing a kid that's 5'4". Oh my God. It's like, that's not fair. Let's be serious. And then the little poor little kids flying across the field. They're 10 feet in the air. Just getting destroyed. Just folded like a lawn chair with their parents with front row seats. Just everybody just standing there <laughs> with a little sign. Go Johnny. Johnny passed Go, out. Number 33. Johnny. Dazzled numbers. Johnny's getting <laughs> assessed for a concussion. Johnny did not stand a chance. But yeah, so like we would play them and we would literally watch film all Friday night. And like I said, so when when guys would um, spend the night, it would be because uh, the kids would come back the, the next morning. Saturday morning, they're supposed to come in. We usually have them lift and then we have them watch a little bit of film from the previous game or whatever. And then we stay after they leave. We stay. We used to have our coaches meetings on Sunday night. So we would come in at like five o'clock. And we would stay there all night. Like, we, like I wouldn't get home till 3 o'clock in the morning sometimes. I don't know how much y'all are getting paid for this, but I'm sure it's not enough. Like, there's no way if you broke it down by hour, this is minimum wage. Oh, it's pennies. We've definitely done that. But yeah, so like, we'll have our meeting and we'll say, okay, well, this is what we think we should do. And I, I used to get so upset when we would play Jonathan Allen because we would have these meetings for hours, six hours. And the conclusion we would come up with was, hey, what about we just run the ball away from them? Like, that would be it. It wouldn't be some complex, like, okay, what what if we take this guy, we move him over here, and we do that. And then at the end of the day, after all that arguing, it'd be like, all right, we just got to find out where he is and run away from him. You're like, like, all right, Jonathan's mom drives a red Toyota Corolla. If you see a red Toyota Corolla slash the tires, we got to make sure Jonathan does not make it to this game. That's the plan. It would just be frustrating. It's like, that's what we came up with after all of that planning. That could have been sent in the email. See, this I can relate to with teaching. That sounds very familiar. We're going to talk about it until the cows come home, and then we're going to do the exact same shit we always did. (laughs) Perfect. That's literally the equivalent. I had to give a data talk, and I literally had to make like 14 slides about what I was doing to improve data, and then I had to show the pie chart, and the whole thing was red. And I was like, so it didn't work. But that informs your instruction as well. And now we grow. (laughs) Next time I'm going to do a Kahoot instead, and I'm sure it'll be green next time. When it's dark, you feel like you've been buried, but you've been planted. (laughs) Jonathan Allen planted you. So how long were you doing that for? That does not sound sustainable at all. And on top of that, you also have to teach regular school, which is also hard as shit. Yeah, it's like, it's it's so weird this year. Like, it's still hard because you you try to be better every time and it's not, unless you're just doing the same stuff, but it's so much easier now. I can actually like stay after school and like make copies, do what I need to do. Like that was like impossible before. Like I, I don't even know how I did any of that stuff before. What changed? Jonathan Allen graduated? Honestly, like I think depending on the coaching or the coaching staff that you have, like that, that, that there's always like an evolutionary process too in your philosophy as a coach. Because like our head coach, he was like, you know what? Like we, we got to find another way to like meet or do things and figure things out without meeting seven days a week. Like it just wasn't working for a lot of people. So like even the Mormons don't do that. Like even if you look at like the worst organizations, they give people a day off. I've been, like I said, I've been at uh, at my first school for 11 years and there's probably two or three coaches that are still there from, from the beginning. You mean people don't want to do a job for pennies an hour that requires extreme emotional stress that's resulting in a high turnover? Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's nuts. Who would have thought 
chunk it. And then I bet they also have the fucking audacity to walk in your room that Monday morning and be like, so I actually didn't see your differentiated instruction groups. I know that you slept in that chair last night, but if you could make sure that's done. God, I'm learning so much. Oh, it's man. so much worse than I thought. It's, it's bad. So what would like a day look like? Like you get to school. Do you have to do coach stuff in the morning too? You wake up, you put on your khaki and your polo shirt. What happens? So I could have made it way easier on myself if I was like the traditional like PE teacher that was a uh, that was a coach. I could have made it so much easier on myself. But like I really like teaching history. See, that's your downfall. That's always the downfall. You should have put John Green on that projector and been making your game plan. No more passion. That's the key to work-life balance. Yeah, no, seriously. Write no. that down, everyone. <laughs> your passion is your downfall. So you're teaching, you come in, you teach all your classes. You try and do everything during your planning period. Like, what's your coaching schedule look like? I would usually try to come in as early as possible. I would usually be there like 7, 6.30, something like that. Jesus. Because um, the kids come in. The kids come in at like 7.15. Like, they have to get their lift in. So usually during the off season, I, that's that's probably the earliest I would come in. I'll come in a little later during the season because I like I just figured at some point I got to sleep, right? Yeah. Like, no, um, just football. Just football. <laughs> but yeah, so then um, teach my classes. It would stink because then like when I was teaching a push, there'd be kids that want to like come in for either extra credit or just like to understand a concept or something like that. And like that would put me in a really weird situation because they can't come after school. Like I'm not available. But like before school, like it, it's still kind of patchy when my availability will be, you know, so it's it, it was it was rough. As a teacher, to me, the worst feeling is when you know you could be doing something better for a kid. Yes. Like it literally is Absolutely. like heart wrenching to feel like you want me to help you extra. And I know you'd be doing better if I did, but we just can't. Yeah, you feel like you're not giving everything that you have to a kid. So how long did you keep that up? How long you say you said you were coaching for? Last year was my last my final year. That would have been my 11th year. How did you sustain that? Just like five hour energies or no you you know what <laughs> yeah but you know what though like it's kind of like teaching where like something will happen and it'll make you be like oh yeah this is a good you know what i mean like you you just kind of get re-energized like i think that's what it was like i always saw like a little bit of myself in different kids so like when you see that it's kind of like hard to like be like you know what i can't do this anymore you, you start making compromise you say okay well I'm just gonna wait till they graduate. When they graduate, I'm done. And then when they graduate, and then the new ones show up, and you're like, "What the hell?" Yeah, exactly. Now I'm emotionally yeah. bonded to you too. I, I wasn't supposed to care about you. That was not in my plan. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it, and then like so, this last year when I finally put it up for good, like that was rough. That was really. Rough. What made you do it? What made you hang up that polo shirt? Well, <laughs> well, honestly. Um, just being the head coach was like an entirely different beast. Um, and I knew that's what it was going to be. It wasn't like it surprised me or anything, but it, it, it was a lot. It was, I mean, I wasn't like able to spend time with my daughter. Like I, I wanted to, I don't know. I just, I got tired of missing stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean that it's cool. Like if I one day became like the Gatorade, uh, high school coach of the year or whatever. You mean like, that when a bunch of teenagers pour Gatorade on you, it doesn't emotionally fulfill you the way being present in your child's life does? Those aren't interchangeable experiences? So actually, I have like trauma from getting uh, water poured on no! me. No! Um, What'd they do? Well, so like my first win as a head coach, the players were awesome. The coaches were awesome. Like they were they were always so good to me. And they did the little Gatorade dump thing on me and I wound up getting COVID. Oh no! I always call it the... um. 
that theory or whatever. Oh, um, like whatever will go wrong can go wrong. Whatever, whatever could go wrong will go wrong. I don't yeah. know why, but this is the story that my brain thought of when you said that you were like traumatized from that. So one thing that happened that I saw is they were dumping out the Gatorade and like all the ice had fused together. They were just dumping it on the ground. But I thought you were going to say that they did that to you and like the giant ice chunk like knocked you out or something. <laughs> like I thought you were going to say like right after your first win, they dumped the Gatorade on you and the ice just knocked you out cold and they carried me off the field i gotta get one of those thumbs up like this yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're gonna say there's an injury from the i guess co i guess covid is an injury but <laughs> yeah well no because i was i was really upset because i had like that whole time like avoided uh getting it like i got my booster and all that kind of stuff like i i was i was like i felt like i was doing awesome like i'm like yeah i'm in good shape i remember uh the the year prior to that when when people were going back and they were trying to get people um playing sports again like our coaching staff did an awesome job of like having guys work in pods and stuff. So like we were like on point with like keeping track of kids That's and awesome. making sure kids weren't exposed. Yeah. Like we did everything right. And then it was like, now I got like my and first win as a head coach. And then those kids made a new strain in the communal Gatorade. <laughs> I was like, after all that, this is how I'm going to get it at my, after my first victory. Like that was crazy. Right. But yeah, Murphy's Law. Oh my gosh. I Murphy's Law. Like, Murphy's Law. That was the season last year. You ask any of the coaches and players, like it, it was it was a Murphy's Law season. Our starting running back got hurt in the first game, the first quarter of the first game. Do you have any of your <laughs> athletes in class? That's what I was about to ask. Yeah, I, I have. I had um, uh, the starting quarterback for uh, Wake Forest right now, Mitch Griffiths. I had him in AP U.S. history. He's an awesome kid. Is it easier to teach a kid that you coach or harder to teach a kid that you coach? I think it's harder because, like, you have to really, like, watch your own, like, emotions and, like, you really have to intentionally – like split that mode. This is class time. This is like me being a coach because a lot of times I have kids acting like jackasses in class and I want to run them. And I'm like, yeah, but then I become the coach teacher, not just the teacher. And I, that's all I wanted. I just wanted them to see me as that. So that, that was kind of hard. That's just how I know that I should never be a coach because my immediate thought is I was like, oh, I bet it's easier because you can make them do push-ups if they do something bad. But I'm gathering that that's generally not ideal to do that. Yeah, because it's like you got to think about like what's – you can't be thinking about like, oh, well, they're lazy on the football field too and now they're going to be lazy. You can't mm. – once you once you start getting your brain to get on that track, you're like destroying everything. That's such like, a good right? point. be like I know there's certain rules around like if they're failing classes they can't play because I've always had coaches come to me to ask like if there's anything they could do to bring their grade up have you where where do you find yourself in that argument how do you feel about the grades the play time my uh my mentor the the previous head coach he kind of told me he was like you know what like at the end of the day some of these parents just don't care about grades like they care about making sure that their kid has a certain amount of carry so they can get looked at for scholarships and stuff like that because I like that was going to be my thing because I I when I was in high school I I didn't take classes as seriously as I, I could have. And I feel like that kind of limited my options after high school. So I was always like, you know what? Like, even before I became a head coach, I'm like, I'm, that's going to be my thing. I'm going to be the academics coach. Like, if something's going on, if the teacher uh, um, needs something or needs me to talk to a kid, I won't be the one to, to do that. And we came up, I, I was like really proud of some of the stuff that we came up with. Like, we used to like celebrate, like, we used to have this thing called the dub of the week. W, like W, like you're oh, a win. That's fun. So we, like, I bought like a, like a wrestling, like a championship belt oh. and it just says W on it. And like, I, each week, like we would have like um, we would ask uh, teachers, "Hey, do you want to nominate a kid? Like, is there a kid that's just kicking butt in your class right now?" So it was also cool because like 
there's a lot of awards that kids get just for being the fastest or being like um, uh, the strongest kid on the field or whatever. But then those kids that like maybe they're contributing to the football team, but they're not like the starter. Um, but they're they're representing what we want our program to be. Like we want to make sure that they're like recognized. You know, I'm so, like, literally adding this to my cart right now. I am obsessed with this. Oh my god, you should get it like on SpongeBob. You can get like the W for yeah, Wumbo. This one, yeah, <laughs> it's for Wumbo. That's so fun. Is that the small one though? Because we got the this big one. This says it's for children. like I'm not trying to hate, but that's the yeah, that's the little the, the one I used to get when you I was. I get kid. the big one redacted. Yeah, yeah, we got the big. That's one. That's really cool. I gotta get that adult size one. So they were like they would walk around with it. It was, it was oh, dope. so they get to wear yeah, it, it all really week. Cool. Oh my god, fun. I'm gonna cry. Yeah, yeah, the kid that got. It, he would award it to the next kid. So like I would I would go into kids' classrooms and give it to them during class. Like I would ask the teacher, I'd be like, hey, do you mind if I give this kid uh the dub of the week or whatever? And they'd be like, Yeah, yeah, come on in. So then the next week with the whatever kid got it, I would take that kid with me and we would go give it to the next kid. So it was cool. It was awesome. And it like kids were excited about getting dub of the week. It was also not one of those things where you had to be a 4.3 student or whatever in order to get it. Like if you're just really doing well in school this week, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe you did really good on a quiz or you're just really participating in class and you're showing the teacher that you're engaged, like that type of stuff. Like we were hoping, and I think it did, got a lot of kids uh, in the mix with recognition. That's like what I think is so important and especially high school education I've noticed and what I always try and make a point to do is that like those middle kids often get really left out and really ignored. Like we focus on the kids who are like screaming at each other, fighting, doing the things that they shouldn't be doing. And then we focus on the kids that are the star quarterback, have a 4.3. But like that kid that comes to school every day does their work and has an 87 in most of their classes. Like we got to seek that out. We got to reward that because a ton of kids fall into that category. And I think it's really easy as an instructor and I'm not a coach, but I could see where it would be easy as a coach to just kind of like ignore them, not intentionally, but just like they're never a problem and they're never like number one. They fall through the cracks. So it's easy to kind of not acknowledge that. So it always makes me happy when I hear about things like, oh, I love this little wrestling belt. These kids are going to be sick of me. But you know what though? Also like, and, and I'm just speaking from experience, like that recognition for a kid like that is incentive on its own. Like I remember in was it seventh grade, I had uh, this um, English teacher, Mr. Ridgeway. And like seventh, it was middle school. So like that time was like terrible for me. Like, you know, for middle school is yeah. like crazy. Like all so, the kids For are, everybody. Right? So like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but like, I'm just not who I'm supposed to be yet. Right? And then uh, I'm in this uh, English class and I'm just thinking, okay, it's another class. I'm just going to do whatever. And I remember him having us write these poems or whatever. And I just, I was like, oh, I'll actually try. Right? So I tried and I wrote this poem and like he like when he went through them, he like took my poem. He was like, hey, I want to I want to say something in the middle of class. I want to say something like this poem is amazing. I can't believe it. And like from that point on, I like made it a mission. I'm going to try my hardest in this guy's class. Like I was probably still stupid and like didn't know anything and put all the I don't think I knew what a preposition was like for the entire school year. I still don't. (laughs) <laughs> but, like, but like I made it up in my mind like hey if, if I can't spell like it's just because I'm dumb but I to understand that I'm giving you everything I got yeah. like I'm not gonna slide because like you just told you you did something to show that you believe that I was worth something and that not everybody does that like you said I was like a middle of the ground kid I wasn't like a troublemaker or anything like that but I also wasn't like trying my best 
there was no motivation for me to do so. But like those little things of those teachers in my life that were like, hey, I, I really see something in you like that. Like me, like I was amazing in their classes. And like, you remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's why like we have things like the, the W belt and stuff like that. Like it's for kids like that. Mm-hmm. you know? Yes. I've gotten in trouble a couple of times because I've talked about how I like extrinsic motivators like that. But I do find that like it really helps kids find their inner voice and their inner confidence because sometimes you don't grow up like I didn't grow up being given a lot of compliments or a lot of things like I'm so proud of you yada yada you know but when I did have those moments when somebody like praised me in a very specific way and like helped me be proud of myself it really changed the way that my inner voice spoke to me and like it really helped me and like we did trophy of the week so they get stuff at my class for like teamwork and stuff and the kids just go crazy over it like they I love that and it makes me so happy. I love those moments. Yeah. And I, my teacher ick is when people shit talk extrinsic motivators because I'm sorry, we require them to come to this government building five days a week and learn stuff that they don't get to pick and go, they don't even get to wear what they want. They just, a little bell tells them to go certain places at certain times. And you're going to tell me that they should all have an inner light guiding them and making them want to be successful. No, they want a Jolly Rancher and I'm going to give it to them (laughs) because they're going through enough. Well, you know what? I got... I got shit because I accidentally said apparently ABA therapies like tagline I was like do you go to work without a paycheck no apparently that is like a dog whistle of like another dimension and I like (laughs) summoned the people it had like 250,000 views in like two hours which is never a good thing and I was like oh fuck like I did not know I just meant this you know like here's what I meant but it it went very poor there were like call out videos there were like people stitching me and I was like I'm so sorry I did not mean that if your (laughs) biggest problem with the education system is a teacher giving extrinsic motivators I'm gonna need you to look way deeper because there's a lot of way worse stuff going on well no it's because in ABA there's like people that like will give autistic kids like half of a skittle (laughs) half of a skittle is so insulting the time it took you to cut that skittle in half Just give them the whole Skittle. So, like, I didn't know that saying that meant that to that group of people. Like, I'm sorry. If you gave me half a Skittle, I would flip a table. I'd be like, fuck you. (laughs) What? I wouldn't wouldn't take it. Half a Skittle? That is the most insulting thing to possibly do. So I could see where if people thought you were doing that, I would be upset too. I'd be mad if you gave me one skill. <laughs> right. Cash at me. Yesterday, a random kid I've never seen in my life walked into my room with a $100 bill that was visibly fake and said, can you cash at me 100 and I'll give you this one? Oh my God. I was like, alrighty. I went to college. So I'm going to need you to try this prank on somebody else. If you're not getting scammed, are you really teaching? I was like, this... bill feels like a piece of printer paper. That wouldn't have worked in my third grade classroom two years ago because I had a kid both bring in the counterfeit money and steal $300 in the same day. (laughs) In third grade? Yes. Wait, they stole it from another kid? I just assumed they went in somebody's purse. No. But he brought in a counterfeit 
money. And people were like, oh, yeah, we were trading money. Somebody's mom called and was like, hey, so so and so lost $300 at school today. And I was like, I love Los Angeles. Okay. That, that kid that kid grew up to be Henry Hill from Goodfellas. And I love him. And I literally had to sat, sit him down and be like, please stop. Listen, like, when I got written doing? up at Aeropostale for not using the little pen on someone's fake $100 bill, I learned that lesson one time. I did not have to learn it no, again. No, you worked at Aeropostale? Very briefly. Very briefly, I worked at Aeropostale, and someone <laughs> bought a headband with a $100 bill, so I gave them $97 and change. <laughs> <laughs> See, these are the lessons we should be teaching in public school. Exactly. Yes, that kid yes. that tried to scam me, I was like, I've seen a thing or two, my friend. I know that that's fake. That's project-based learning right there. Hello. <laughs> I want to hear some of like, if you are open and willing to share, because I know you're employed with the same district, what's like the terrible things that happen in coaching? Like, what's going on? Tell us like the deepest, darkest secrets of the coaching world. Like, are people given grades for passes? Are people hitting kids during practice? Like, what's going on? I think the biggest thing that everybody's like dealing with is like the whole like recruiting kids. Stuff. Ooh. Tell us about that world so like and i don't really know how i feel about it so so i'll tell you what i feel like the way high school sports is going with like kids just kind of transferring and going to other schools all willy-nilly like that's i think that's a good model for like what this movement to like make like get rid of public schools and just have just charter schools and stuff I think that's like if you want to see what it what it could possibly look like. I think that's a good uh, metric for you. Is look at look at what the result is of some of these uh, kids leaving certain schools and going to other schools because like it's bad. Like you'll have entire programs shut down because they just don't have a certain population of kids that want to play football. Um, and it, we've seen that here in, in my county. And then when they try to bring them back, it's just it's not even worth it. What's happening? I want to make sure we're talking about the same thing. This didn't happen when I was a kid, but I saw it happening at my last school. And I think I'm just not in the know enough to know about it at this school. But high school kids will get recruited to other high schools and switch high schools for sports reasons, which blew my mind. I never heard of that happening. But when I was teaching in Florida, it happened. And literally, like you said, our football team won state one year. And then the next year, it did terribly because another school recruited like five of our best kids. A lot of the parents kind of start complaining a lot more about like, hey, well, uh, this this school has this program and my kid's really interested in this academic program. They're like, my 11th grader loves forensic science, so I want them to switch schools for it. They are passionate. Oh, that school won five state championships in a row? Oh, I didn't know that. That's just a I didn't coincidence. Even know. It's, it's pronounced football. I didn't even know they had a football football is what you're referring to? <laughs> I want the agriculture program. Music Musical theater is our passion. Hey, hey, and we should be. Hey, that is <laughs> but no, but, but but like all these other programs kind of suffer from it. But yeah, I, like, I don't know. And then what you mentioned about like a big part of to me, a big part of the reason it's good for kids to do sports in high school is not because they're going to be the next NFL player, but because it builds team and it builds camaraderie and it shows you how to work with other people and it shows you how to get over difficult situations. And if you switch schools every single year, you're not doing that as much. No, I mean, I think I think it's a whole new culture. Like, I don't think any of that, what you just now, what you just said is absolutely right. And that's how I see it. But I don't think any of that stuff is applicable these days. Like all like, at least in my experience, everybody who's out there, they all have 
uh, huddle highlights. They're all tagging uh, college uh, head coaches with their with their highlights, no matter what level they are. Everybody thinks they're going somewhere to play football, and it's like I don't know. It's it it's cool to see kids out there being passionate about something, but it's also like, like maybe let's have a plan B, like loving your passion for plan A. Yeah, well, and then all a lot of it uh, sometimes is like how much of this is really you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like how much is it like is it like your parents? Because I've seen I've seen kids that like aren't really that passionate about it, but their parents are like, yo, this kid's going to make it. This kid's going to do this. This kid's going to do that. And it's like, just look at them. Like they don't, they're not even having fun. Like, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I had an opportunity to stay with the the school that I was at and coach there and just coach college. And my dad really wanted me to do that because he was like, uh, initially he was like, you want to be a teacher? Like what? No. Our parents should start a support group. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he, for a while, um, my senior year of college, he, he kept me like, well, uh, you really want to coach, right? I'm like, yeah, I want to coach. I want to coach. Like I, I was dead set on coaching. He said, well, just stay there and coach. And you can get a, a, a graduate assistant job. Then you could have your foot in the door, maybe get another position at another college and just keep growing there. And I kept trying to tell him like, yeah, that, that sounds cool. But like, I don't want to coach college. Like it's, it's at that level. It is a business. Yeah. Like no matter what they try to tell you all the stuff about, Oh, Nick Saban loves his player. Nick Saban's making $10 million a year. I can love anyone for $10 million. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, I'm sure he built some relationships with some kids and I, like he's a hell of a coach, but at the end of the day, $10 million like, is $10 million. <laughs> yeah. He's got to win. You guys, you have to win. Like it doesn't at the high school level, I can afford to, have a losing season and still be uh, influential and still have a connection with my players and not have to worry about losing my job unless I'm in Texas or something like that. But like, uh, that's a whole nother ball game. That's just the minor league of college. They like debatably abuse children in peewee football in Texas. Like Texas football is like terrifying. I always get trolled when I'm like commenting on people's posts on Instagram because obviously my my feed is all football stuff. But then they'll have like these like coaches out there having them do these one-on-one drills where they literally stand like 20 yards apart and just run into each other. And I'm always the one commenting like, this is a very stupid drill. And then I'm like, you're soft. <laughs> that sounds like an eight-year-old thought of it. So for another grown adult to be like, you're you're just not tough enough to run at another human being full speed from from twenty yards That's away. Stupid. If you if your team was tough, they could do it. We had thirteen concussions last year. I still have all of them playing because we're tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so stupid. It's like, what are you trying? Like, I literally had arguments with guys online talk about like how you you're what's wrong with with uh, with football. I can't believe you call yourself a coach literally calling me out talking about like you like oh my bro like, i've had multiple concussions there's no bragging rights there like, you don't get points for how many concussions eventually you your like, brain stem just fucking breaks off and you like get violent and black out like it's not it's not an ideal situation but but and the, the thing is like i get it like it's enter- like maybe it's entertaining to see bodies like just flying towards one another but that's not even the point of the game you can safely teach kids how to tackle properly without like injuring themselves like if you look at like rugby players and stuff like that they don't wear any pads and like you don't hear about them like getting uh, uh paralyzed and stuff like that all that time. is such it's a because good of point. the way that we play like youth coaches uh, no no disrespect but like a lot of them are just people that just volunteer like a lot of them don't really have to go through like training just or qualification. somebody's dad just yeah, some guy. A, a lot, depending on where you are like i've seen video they're they're insane in some of these places it's really scary how widespread the idea that like people don't really treat kids like people like well, they need to not be afraid. So we're just going to have them run at each other and that'll fix it. It's like, we could take a different route. 
you know what will make me not afraid is when I trust the adult that's supposed to be my coach. That's what make that's what will make me not afraid. I won't be scared of anything if I know that he's got my back and he's going to make sure I don't get hurt. But if I have a worry that he's going to he doesn't care if I break my spine, I'll be a little bit afraid. I'm gonna be nervous. <laughs> I'm going to hesitate, you know. Let's cultivate that survival <laughs> instinct, huh, guys? Like love that. And how was it dealing with parents like I I can imagine parents bring a lot of emotional baggage and ego to the situation that might not be the most fun to be on the receiving end of no so I mean like I've I've been lucky like I I've really had a good community behind me and like I've heard horror stories I mean there's 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 always that the one or two but like I think also at the end of the day you just have to remember like that parent's kid is their number one priority like they could care like no like not to say anything negative about uh, about them being selfish but like it also kind of makes sense like they don't care like no matter how much they help out no matter how much they want to be team mom no matter how much they want to film games or take pictures for you or or do all this other stuff they care about their kid so as if if you're doing like if you keep that in mind like it kind of doesn't set you up for a letdown later you yeah. know um that's that's what i found because like that's what it that's what it comes down to like i mean i've i've had a couple parents that stayed behind even though their kid graduated but that's pretty rare i feel like becoming a parent myself there have been a lot of moments where i've like been like oh i kind of get it <laughs> like you know you're acting a little crazy but same like yeah. <laughs> i yeah. don't know well, yeah, and and especially like like if you if you are familiar with the sport, and then some of the things that the coach is doing, you're not like you're like wait, hold on a second, like because there are some coaches out there. You'll if you see them doing some stuff, you'll be like, yeah, that's I don't know what he's doing. I can get my kid out of there. But at the same time, they're, they're like that kind of gets out of hand when you start having parents that if their kid's not getting what they what they feel they need, then that's when they think that the, the coach is the problem. So I mean, you run into that every once in a while too. But is it worse like being a teacher and a coach? Do you get it from like both angles? Has there ever been like the grades aren't happening and then they're like, you have to fix this so that my kid can play football. Like, does that happen sometimes? I've never had parents directly say that to me, but yeah. That's what they meant. Yeah. You know, like, it's like you, you can feel the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, you guys know, like you, you make your, um, your expectations very clear at the beginning of the year. And like, I always tried to do that. I I always told them, Hey, look, like when I'm in this classroom, like you're not going to see me watching film. Like I, I don't, like I, I never did. I never watch film like during class or any of that stuff. Do like, people do that? No, my A push teacher would show us the film. Nuh-uh. Like it would be on the projector, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not on the team. Just wanted to clarify. So that's wild to me. We would be like doing our little DBQs at our little desk, and he would sit in his like leather old man chair. Like this, man spreading, watching the film on the projector while we all did our work. Wow. So the the insane part of that is that he te- he, he was teaching a push because I feel like I'm always behind. The crazy thing, he had the highest scores of anyone and I got a five. I don't know like what that man's is on. <laughs> so he give you guys like the smelling salt right before the exam? I have no <laughs> idea. I think what it was is he had been teaching it for literally 25 years. So like he knew that exam like upwards, backwards, forward. Like he knew every single thing. So like, and he literally made us write a DBQ every single Friday. What the fuck is a DBQ? Oh, a DBQ? Document-based Document-based question. These kids about to be in tears on Thursday. They're doing their first one. (laughs) So they give you like seven to 10 documents. So that could be like a passage that's written in old English that makes you want to kill yourself. That could be a map. That could be a photo, like any document. 
And then you have to write an essay answering a prompt using all of the documents. I always tell kids it's a it's a research paper with the research done for you. Oh, I'm going to say that to them. Thank you. That's the way that's the easiest way for me to explain it to them. Yeah. So they have to like answer their little question, like using evidence from the sources and explain them. Oh, we did that in third grade. That's like the standardized test in third. No, literally when I when I learn about what your third graders are doing, like my high schoolers do the exact same thing. It's actually so jarring. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you have to take two passages and answer a prompt citing evidence from both. And you have to write your own five paragraph essay from those those essays. It's really great when your kids are reading at a kindergarten level and the state says, we don't fucking care. Here you go. Like, DBQ. Yeah. I remember we had a PD and our school was teaching us how to like fold the paper so that they can like map out their evidence. And I was like, you won't let me teach phonics. So well, this doesn't help. So my kids would just be like, <laughs> like folding the paper and like weeping and i was like this is disgusting why are we doing this to children so bad so bad but yeah they're really prepared for your no when they get to those dbqs they're gonna know what's up yeah they're gonna be like i remember this (laughs) okay i have no recollection of doing that but i'm sure i did yeah. I must have. It's a it's like a pretty big chunk of the exam. It's not they don't like it. They don't think it's very fun. Neither do I, but here we are. No, I don't like grading. How did you manage that? Like how did you manage having to be an A push teacher and deal with all the writing and all the essays and coaching? That was the hardest part. So like I like I'm not gonna lie, like there's times I just adjusted the curriculum. Like the guy that taught A push before me, like he was nuts. Like th- this dude he was really good. Like his average exam scores were like 4.5 or something. Holy like, shit. Like something off the wall. Share that Google Drive with me. Yeah. No, seriously. Like he, but like he, he was a history guy. Like he was a, like a literal historian. Like he used to do civil war reenactments and stuff like that. For like, which side? <laughs> the correct one. I wouldn't have been talking to him if he was on the wrong <laughs> Yeah. In today's times, you never know. Yeah. It is Virginia, right? <laughs> that could that conversation would have been a lot different if I seen him come up here with, <laughs> looking like uh, <laughs> look like uh, Robert E. Lee and stuff. <laughs> but he would have two DBQs a quarter, and then he would have he would still have a research paper, and he had like a writing um, uh, like a writing assignment. So he would like assign a book for them to read, uh, like like in addition to the. Textbook. I don't even make mine read the textbook, and they act like I tortured them. And he was them. coaching too. No, no, no. He wasn't coaching. Oh. No, that <laughs> Hey Push was his life. Like that was like. He was a history guy. So, like, when I followed him, I, the first year, I tried to do exactly what he did because he's so successful. So, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. The first quarter, I literally assigned two DBQs in that quarter. And I was like, I, I'm you not going to be doing that. Because then he would have other stuff, too. Like, they'd be able to come in for, like, extra credit days. Like, they would come in after school and all this other kind of crazy stuff. Like, My A-push teacher made us come in on Saturday twice and take an exam all in one sitting. We had to do it two separate times. Really? And it was required. I don't know how they made that required. Like, your parent had to drive you there. They didn't yeah. have buses or anything like that. It was a Saturday. What? And we all sat in the cafeteria. It wasn't two Saturdays in a row, but it was, like, every other the month before the exam and we took two full practice exams sat for the entire thing even if you weren't taking it oh you were taking it it was not <laughs> you were I'm taking still it. trying to get out of it no you're I'm not. still like don't make me take that test <laughs> I very slyly made all of mine register for it when I because I made them take their unit test on AP classroom. So they were like, it says we have to register. And I was like, yeah, for sure. Just go ahead and fill that out. <laughs> Don't worry about any of that. Just, <laughs> just click continue, click accept. They do need to know your address and your parents' education level for our unit one test. Yep. I, yep. Put, fill that out. 
And so now when they're like, oh, I'm not going to take it. I'm like, what if I told you you're already registered? We're in an age. Nobody's reading terms and conditions anymore. Like, we're yeah, just do it. Said, just do it. Sign them up. Log in here. Here's our class code. Make an account. You should have read. And the next lesson. You should have read. You should have read. That's your lesson. <laughs> You'll never click through without reading the terms and conditions again. I'm going to give them a pop quiz. It's one question. Are you registered for the AP exam? <laughs> Surprise, you all are. So what's it like teaching and not coaching now? Do you just feel like you're working part-time? Like, do you just feel like you're at a literal spa? Like, honestly, like, it's it's so chill. Like, I like it's weird. Like, especially right now, because it's, it's fall. So, like, I was having, like, withdrawals. Like, I was kind of, like, feeling bad about myself. Because I was like, man, I should, I should be doing this, you know? Like, seeing all these games happening. and But no, it's 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 been good. It's been really good. Just being able to spend that extra time. I, I think I might do one of my... um uh during covid like that was the last time i didn't ac- actually like uh have a season to coach so i like that was like a, i think that kind of gave me a taste of freedom so i was like i was like kind of craving that again um but during that time i did these like like virtual field trips i was like going to different places and like teaching my lessons from the places That's it was fine. cool like i we went up I, t- I took my daughter me and my daughter went up to um Oh, uh, to Massachusetts. Wait, so you were like on Zoom being like this is this is where it happened, yeah. y'all, right here. This is the room where it happened. Yeah, yeah. I went to a bunch of different places. It was fun. It was so much fun. Oh, I need to do that. We went to we went to Salem. It was oh, Salem during this time is amazing. I heard it's very fun and spooky. It was so much fun. I wish you're really inspiring me. I wish that my students had like no other classes and I could just like get like a really bitchin' RV and do like a cross country year long road trip teaching A push. That would be so Cool. Like an immersive A-push experience that only takes a year of your life. No, but what was cool during COVID was we all, we had that asynchronous day on Mondays. So I would leave Friday night or something like that and spend the weekend there. And I would do the actual, like the class on, on the asynchronous day. So I'd be like, hey, look, we're going to do our normal stuff Tuesday through Friday. But then like, I, I want you guys to log in on Monday and just like check out what we're doing and stuff like that. You're like, this is Joe Biden. Welcome. Oh my gosh. I was there. Yeah, I was 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 it election night? That was a bad that was a bad decision. I went to some I made some mistakes. It was the unit on Andrew Jackson. So like I thought it would be cool to go Jacksonian election night and talk about Yeah. Yeah, like how like and I told the story about how like when he won, like they uh, destroyed the White House. They had everybody was drunk and they had a huge party and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I thought that would be cool. But then I was like, oh, well, then so I, I'm going in D.C. and like all the windows are boarded up for all these. I'm like, yeah, I, I probably shouldn't be here. You were like, hey, you guys, the vibe has deteriorated. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're in unprecedented times. Let's talk about another unprecedented time. Moving on to Jacksonian democracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Any um, advice for a new coach teacher? What would you tell them? It's going to be really easy to like slip into uh, the wins and losses focus. But as long as you're like checking in on kids and making sure, I think that's probably like, the biggest thing. There was like one game we had um, our starting cornerback. He's one of our best players on our team. And like literally five minutes before the game, and I don't know why she did this, but his mom like called him and told him that his grand his grandfather died like five minutes before the game. And so he's like, so I'm walking down getting ready to do pregame stuff, and he's like bawling, bawling in one of the classrooms. So I did, I went in there and uh, and and talked to him and told him like, hey man, whatever decision you want to make, if you if you want to hang it up for tonight, if you're not feeling it, I, I totally understand. But he he made it up in his mind that he wanted to play. But I like. That that's the that's the difficult part is like trying to like make sure that you stay on track about like what you're actually like. It's so tempting to fall into that trap of just like 
hey, we got to win this game. We got to win. Uh, we got to win this uh, conference. We got to win this region. We got to win the states. Like doing that because then it's like that's all about your legacy. But like when when the kids know that like you actually care about them, like that's that's going to be like uh, way more uh, rewarding in the, in the long run. I think. Do you ever see yourself coaching again, I don't know. or you just like to be free? You're you free. I I do. I think I yeah. I think I've been feeling this like and and like I said, it's just like it's it, the culture is getting to the point where it's like it's so competitive. Not that I don't like competition, but like it's hard. Like I I felt myself coming getting into that trap of like okay, well, are there kids from other schools that I can recruit? Like what right. like like you know what I mean? And right. like once I start thinking like that, now I know like okay, well you've 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 crossed over to the dark side, right? Like that's like yeah yeah like. Vader got you like you know what <laughs> right. I mean like there's no turning back once you start thinking like that so I, that's when I was like yeah I don't know because it, 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 at the end of the day like I said the area that I'm in is super competitive so it's it's hard to survive mm-hmm. um, as a program if you're not and then once you if you if you're like I know some really good coaches that haven't won a game in a couple of years really really good guys like just amazing with their kids and stuff and then you'll have uh, people on Twitter questioning them and say, oh, it's, it's his fault that the program's not winning and, and just, just bad-mouthing them. And it's like, but you don't know. Like, yeah, like they're losing. But, like, you don't see the effect or the impact that this guy has on the kids. Like, yeah. would you like a guy in there that's going to win a, a bunch of uh, uh, state championships but the kids get arrested every uh, every season and, and don't have a trusted adult in, uh, in the in the building? Like, you know what I mean? So just it's as like, a reference, the year that my school won state was coincidentally the same year that, unfortunately, we discovered photos of our coach smoking cigars and popping bottles with the students right after the game where they won state. I was like, you may have gotten us that W, but at what cost, you know? I was like, maybe don't give a 17-year-old a Cuban cigar. I don't know. I know I'm new. But. What do we know? <laughs> I was like, and they don't even seem fun to party with. That was your only option? I was like, you really don't have any, you don't have a girlfriend. You don't have like some friends from college, like a brother, yes. mom. You were sleeping in that coaching office. That's what I mean. Now I feel bad. Now I feel bad. Now I'm like, I don't know what he was going through. I shouldn't have been casting judgment. I could see where when you're sleeping in the weight room, you're kind of, your grip on reality can loosen. Like, oh my God, I I feel like I've learned so much in a short amount of time. My biggest takeaway is it seems like coaching is a lot harder and more intense than most of us thought. Yeah. so intense. Any other wisdom you want to share with the people? No, I, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Like, like I said, I think the, the biggest thing that I'm going to miss is the relationships with those kids. Because like that's, it's, that's so much fun. That makes everything, that makes sleeping in the coaching office and uh and still worrying about how i'm gonna pay my bills like that makes all that type of stuff work. if any principals <laughs> are listening to this ask your coaching staff where they're sleeping might want to check the security camera <laughs> make sure everyone is sleeping in a bed just as a quick baseline for your employees make sure everyone's doing all right <laughs> thank you so much for joining us we loved having you and oh, thanks thank again you. for answering thanks. my lovely a push questions and i would love to hear Real quick before we go, if you are also as mad as me that they changed the rubric in September. But then they make it easier? They made it easier, but I'm just mad because all the YouTube videos of people that are better than me explaining it are wrong now. And now I have to explain <laughs> yeah, it. I'm actually like really happy about it. It is easier. Uh, I said the, the context thing was the thing that always used to trip people up. And now it's like really straightforward. So. so glad to see that the bar is getting lowered in all of education. It's about time. It seems like they're lowering the bar for high schoolers and raising the bar for for third graders. So I guess they just want everyone writing a mediocre well, essay. Yeah. 
<laughs> just me, just me in the middle. It's <laughs> just me in the middle. Budget cuts. We're all using the same curriculum. <laughs> they they waited until I finished coaching high school football until they re- lowered the bar though. That was that was kind of messed rude. Up. They could have done that during Jonathan Allen week. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, this has been a very sporty spice episode. We loved having you. Thank you so much. We'll see you no, next thank week. Thank you. That was fun. Thank you. Thank yes. you. We'll see you next week. We love you. Say bye, bye. to Angel Curtis. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>